Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Dana Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC back in Vegas this weekend, UFC Vegas 30, Surreal Gain versus Alexander Volkov. We'll be breaking down that fight as well as a couple other of the fights on the main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog that we think you should play as well as a parlay to keep your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, I'll be having the interviews that you guys have come to know and love. First, I'll be talking to Charles Rosa about his training situation, working out with his brother who's now a fighter, and the fighting family that is the Rosas. Then, later on in the show, I'll be talking to Ike Villanueva about getting his first UFC win and looking to build on that. But of course, before we get to any of that great content, I gotta let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas and browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests and in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there, you can check out my bonus pick for you this week as part of the Top Journal MMA page. And once again, you can only find that on betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Journal MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. And joining me today is Charles Rosa, who fights Justin James at UFC Vegas 30 this weekend. So, Charles, before we get talking about that fight, I did want to talk about your career so far in the UFC. Because you've had lots of ups and downs. You've actually alternated wins and losses since you've been in the UFC, which is obviously not ideal. But, like, you know, lots of success in there as well. What's sort of your mindset around what this sort of journey has been through in the UFC? Yeah, man, I mean... You know, I love the journey I've been on. You know, I've, I've had a lot of, you know, performance bonuses. You know, I have the record for most all-time wins in Boston. You know, I have my nickname, Be Boston Strong. You know, I've always, you know, performed in every, you know, every fight. I, you know, I show up. I don't quit. And, you know, in my head, you know, every fight I'm still standing at the end of the fight. There's never been a fight in my whole career that I wasn't, you know, standing at the end of the fight. Like, I've never been knocked out or submitted. I think one time, technically, I have a knockout. Uh, T. Hale lost to Shane Burgos, but the ref 100% stepped in early and I was winning that fight two rounds to none. So like, you know, in my head, you know, it's just a couple of times that I got a little bit out wrestled and, uh, you know, that's something that I've worked on a lot. Um, you know, after my neck injury, I kind of stopped wrestling just cause I didn't want to hurt myself. But now that I, you know, didn't have the success in the wrestling, I, I bounced back and I started wrestling again. So, and my body luckily, you know, feels good. So I, I haven't had any issues, you know, with any pain or anything or any problems. So I'm a hundred percent. And, uh, but, Back to the question you said, pretty much, yeah, I just, man, I, I, I love my career. You know, I've been working, I work really hard, and I continue to evolve as a mixed martial artist. You know, I come from, like, a hockey background and a sports. I was a triathlete. I played hockey, lacrosse, and football, you know. So I was, you know, I come from sports. So when I finished college and played hockey in college and stuff, like, I didn't have anything. You know, I was kind of, like, lost. I wasn't playing in the NHL or whatever. So that's when I found mixed martial arts and I found it at 23 where some people, you know, start martial arts when they're six, seven years old, you know, and 
so, you know, luckily I come from like a fighter's family, you know, my uncle was a boxer and, you know, my dad raised me tough. We always had a punching bag downstairs. So I think that definitely helped. And then having two like older brothers and two younger brothers chasing my older brothers around the house and me chasing my little brothers around the house definitely made me tough. But, um, you know, I think, you know, I think, man, I'm just continuing to evolve as a martial artist. So every time you see a different version and better version of me, but you know, it's also sometimes, you know, the matchups I'm getting. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Absolutely. And and I like that idea of evolving as a martial artist, but I want to go back to what you said about wrestling too, and reintegrating more wrestling. Uh, obviously, Justin Jades is a guy who, who's got a little bit of wrestling in his background as well, but he's also shown off that he, he likes to strike. He prefers to strike. Is wrestling something you're, you're seeing as more of an offensive strategy for you here or something that you think he might have to make you use defensively? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm going out there, you know, to, to to pretty much to fight my fight. I mean, I've been definitely, you know, having the two losses in my last four fights, you know, I won two, lost two, you know, I had the first round finish of, um, you know, first round finish in Boston, um, Andy Bermudez, and then, you know, the two fights I lost to Bryce Mitchell and Derek Minor, you know, be Kevin Aguilar on the feet were from wrestling, you know, and I thought about in my head, like, I've never really gotten out wrestled, like, my whole career as a fighter, really, ever, like, or at least if I have, I thought my jiu-jitsu bailed me out, but it's, um, with those two guys, what I noticed is that, like, I stopped, I stopped doing, like, a lot of the wrestling classes and a lot of wrestling, and I don't come from, like, you know, high school or college wrestling, like, I was a hockey player, so where a lot of guys have that, like, already instilled in them, that's something that I need to keep sharp, like, I have to continue to do it. So I noticed after my neck injury, you know, which was like three years ago, I just stopped wrestling. I said, you know, I'll just, you know, work on my stand-up, you know, work on my, you know, just make sure my body's healthy. That's the number one priority. But now my priorities change. You know, my priority and my goal in the UFC is to be the champion. I'm not just here to just collect a paycheck and get fights and, you know, just go fight on TV or collect these fights. Like, I'm trying to be the UFC champion. So, you know, I, I um, you know, I went back and I kind of re-looked re at, like, how my last fight went how the Bryce Mitchell fight went and a lot of things and I said you know it's never on the feet that I'm getting beat this is the area that I'm I and mean, it's not even in jiu-jitsu necessarily that I'm getting beat I'm getting out wrestled so I went back and I worked on this and that's what I've been doing this whole camp I'm wrestling my ass off with some D1 guys I got my buddy JP Reese from Mizzou that you know he was a he was a uh, you know good fighter my buddy Matt Waggy also a college wrestler and you know obviously being able to work with some of the best wrestlers and guys in the world so it's been continue to work hard on it. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about your training camp, too, because, you know, poking around on social media, I saw in your Instagram header, you know, American Combat Gym being listed as your, your gym. And I, I know in the past you've been training at American Top Team. Now, is I, I'm just curious, is this a, a new gym situation or is this a gym situation where you're working in both places? Yeah. Yeah, um, actually, you know, I, I switched things up a little bit. You know, I still have a great relationship with Dan Lambert and American Top Team and all the fighters there. You know, you even have Hanada Moicano on this card, who's been a great training partner of mine for the last five years of my career at American Top Team. But, you know, it kind of came to a point during the corona and after the corona that, um, you know, my coach, my original coach, the one I've always stayed loyal to, Charles McCarthy, UFC veteran, was on the Ultimate Fighter show, you know, the one of the better ones back in the day. Um, you know, I've always been loyal to him, and he had an American Top Team gym, and that's, you know, he had a satellite one, and that's how I got into American Top Team as an amateur. I went into the main gym with Charles McCarthy there, and, um, you know, he, you know, started, 
his gym was no longer an American top team and he started his own gym, American combat gym. And, you know, at first I was training at both gyms, but then, you know, I ended up talking to Dan and he kind of gave me an ultimatum. He goes, Hey Charles, there's nothing you're doing wrong. We love you. You're a hardworking guy. You've been one of the most loyal guys we've had at this gym ever. Like you've here since you're an amateur, you had your amateur career to the American top team, putting in spawn with UFC fighters since I was an amateur. But, you know, we changed our policy because of the way things are going, especially with Corona and our new policy. And, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we have to, you kind of give you an ultimatum. You either got to just train only here or not anywhere else. So, you know, me as a mixed martial artist, it really, you know, that was a tough decision for me. Do I stay loyal to my original coach or I stay with one of the best teams in the planet Earth? And, you know, what I ended up doing is I kind of, you know, slowly adjusted to myself and I kind of got the best of, you know, both both worlds. You know, luckily for me, Sanford MMA is right down the street with Henry Hoof, Greg Jones, Colin Barzini, and, you know, one of the other best teams in the world. So I'm able to get my wrestling and my sparring in there, but I'm also still able to train with Charles McCarthy, my original coach, and, you know, jiu-jitsu and still have, like, a home-based gym. So right now I'm training with American Combat Gym as my home gym and also getting work in the Sanford MMA with Henry Hoof. Sean Soriano and all the guys over there. So I switched things up for this camp. Uh, it was definitely hard for me, you know, to switch gyms. Like, it was literally heartbreaking. I mean, I put in 12 years of hard work in American Top Team, but I still, you know, always bring what they've taught me into war with me. So, um, you know, Mike Brown was one of the best coaches I ever had, but it's just kind of the next phase of my career, I think. And the best thing for me is a fighter. A absolutely. It makes a lot of sense to me. I I'm curious, too, because you mentioned the name Sean Soriano in there. Uh, being both Northeast guys, does that link up or, or is it one of the things where you're, you're training with a former opponent too? Cause you've got a, a UFC yeah, win over Charles Soriano. What, what's that like? Yeah. It was, yeah. First now, obviously, you know, after we fought, we, we, you know, we talked it out, man. We're both in the same area, New England. Like we both love MMA. We rep, we love to represent New England and what we're doing. So, you know, we had, we fight, we fought. It is what it was. We didn't really know each other, before, you know, much, but yeah, I kind of knew him before even we fought, we came up fighting in CFA together in Miami, both, you know, Florida transplants from up North, but yeah, man, I've always respected him. And then when they asked me to fight him in the UFC, I mean, that's, you know, the biggest stage in the world and it is what it is. I fought him and, you know, luckily for me, I submitted him and beat him, but I've always respected him. He's a tough kid, gave me a hard fight. And, um, you know, I think we're really good training partners for each other because what we're different at, like he's a world-class striker. I think he even fought in glory a couple of times and I'm a world-class grappler. So I think we're really going to be able to help each other a lot. And I'm happy to be working with him and look forward to it, you know? Absolutely. And I, I wanted to ask you before we, we close this out uh, about another one of your training partners. Cause I recently saw that your brother, Luke, Lucas Rosa just made yep. his MMA debut as an amateur, picked up a win. <laughs> I got to ask, you know, you obviously have all the experience in the world. You know, you've been in there a hundred times. What was it like being yeah. on the sideline watching him, him do it? Oh man, it's, 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 it's amazing. You know, at first I was really worried before he ever fought. Cause you don't really know how it is until someone does it. Like people, everyone says they want to fight, but then when they do it, you know, you find out real quick if they got it or not. And, you know, luckily man, for Lucas, he, he got the, he got it, man. He got the blood. He's, <laughs> undefeated now he's five and oh he's just basically following the blueprint that i followed to get to the big show you know his dream is to be a ufc you know fighter ufc champion just like myself and you know he has a head start on me he was a state champion wrestler in new england and uh man super tough kid and you know he grew up with me you know fighting him since i was a little kid so you know he comes from a fighting family and uh he got the blueprint man so if he can follow it stay healthy and stay on course man you're gonna see him in the ufc one day too which is really exciting for me because you know it's kind of it's just exciting to have, you know, like a brother like that living in South Florida, you know, living the life with me and being able to enjoy those, share those moments together. And that's also 
one of the main reasons too is you know I don't say it much to people, but with the American Combat Gym thing and like with the top team, like to not be able to train with my little brother who I know is going to be a superstar, like it's just for me I don't like that closed-minded thinking of of mixed martial arts because that's literally what it's called mixed martial arts. Like that's how you become the best, and I think all the greatest champions have trained with all the different best people. You know that's how you become great because not like a single sport like boxing where you can just get one guy and just work on things. There's so many things you get to be the best at. If you want to get the best, you got to find the best. And, you know, but luckily, yeah, Lucas is awesome, man. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, before I let you go, I do want to return to the fight, talk a little bit more about Justin Janes. So obviously this fight goes down this weekend. How do you see this one ending? Man, I'm going back to my ways, man. I'm putting this guy away. Like that's, you know, I got – Nine first-round finishes, you know, I'm looking for my 10th first-round finish, obviously. That would be ideal. I know, you know, James comes out as a fast starter, and he's tough, and, you know, he's a tough kid. He's durable, so I don't think, you know, he's going to go away easy. You know, I fought some tough guys like Boschniak, who, you know, was able to put a lot of damage on him, but he's just so durable. He lasted, but, you know, I'm ready to go three rounds. I've trained for three rounds, but... Yeah, man, I mean, I I think this is the next level for me. I think um, I don't think any of these guys are going to be able to take me down and hold me down like the last two guys that beat me were. And, um, you know, I think my striking is the highest level right now. And um, on top of it, like, now that, you know, my jiu-jitsu is elite. Like, you know, you can people can say, oh, what happened in the Mitchell fight or whatever. But, you know, one of the, one of the things that, that makes me elite is, you know, when I get to positions, it was just, you know, when someone's on top of you and they're punching you, it's it's obviously not just jujitsu, but now that I got you know this 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 wrestling now it's it's a it's a game changer, man. You know you find me on top position, it's, it's, you know the game's over for him. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. And once again, fans, this was Charles Rosa who fights Justin James at UFC Vegas 30 this upcoming weekend. Charles, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. All right, yeah, I appreciate you, man. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Charles Rosa. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's do a little bit of matchmaking. Korean Zombie with a big win this weekend. He obviously said he wanted to move up in the division. But with the four guys booked in front of him already, who would you like to see Zombie fight next? Wow, Gumby, what a loaded question to get us going here. And what a great problem to have. That division, 145, is so loaded with talent. I mean, I'm almost excited by several matchups there, but like you said, with the top four people being booked, you know, I I mean, I could watch him fight Calvin Cater. I could watch him fight Josh Emmett, Arnold Allen, uh, or Edson Barbosa, who would be the four people right beneath him. But I'm going to give you someone different, actually, and I'm going to go with Giga Chikadze because I think that would be a fire fight. And if Chikadze beat the Korean Zombie, it's that big name that he could put on his resume as he builds towards a title shot. So that would be my final answer. But you could give me any of those guys. Him versus Edson Barbosa, I think, would be fun as heck. Uh, but, you know, again, great problem to have. Who would you go with? I, I was actually going to say Giga Chikadze, too. Uh, I thought that that was the perfect matchup. And not just because, you know... Korean Zombie needs somebody exciting to fight, and Giga Chikadze needs the big name. But also, I think it answers a really big question about Giga Chikadze. How good is his takedown defense, right? Because that was the problem with Dan Ige. Dan Ige fought Korean Zombie. He looked like he could strike with Korean Zombie, but he didn't look like he could defend any of Korean Zombie's takedowns and his submission offense and, and just positional work, which is, I think, low-key one of the best parts of Korean Zombie's game. 
it would help us learn if Giga Chikadze could do that. And if G- Giga Chikadze can do that, he is a real threat in this division. If he can't do that, there needs to be a little bit more seasoning, a, a few things to work on, and, and hell, that, that could definitely headline a, a fight night card, just like Ige versus Korean Zombie did. Well, everyone, keep your peepers peeps, because if that ends up being the fight, you heard it here first on Top Turtle MMA Podcast. All right. Let's get to our favorite segment on the show. It's Fights, Dogs, Parlays. This week it's for UFC Vegas 30. Before you, Gumby, one may wonder, though, if any fine company sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jujitsu, it doesn't matter. Log your training sessions, tag your training partners, techniques, weigh-ins, competitions, you can put it all right in the palm of your hand so you never lose it. Once again, that's Maroon Social. Wherever it is, you download apps. All right, we got a banger of a heavyweight main event here. Cyril Gain is seriously one of the most exciting heavyweight prospects we've seen in quite some time. He's 8-0 as a pro, undefeated, of course, in the UFC at 5-0, Wins over uh, Roizenstruck by unanimous decision, JDS via TKO, uh, and actually debuted with an arm triangle choke uh, back in 2019, and that was a win over Rafael Pessoa. But uh, really one of the better strikers uh, and coming from a Muay Thai background, but also has uh, a heel hook to his resume and an arm triangle choke to his resume. So a very well-rounded fighter, and heavyweight has been desperate for prospects like this. And it's worth mentioning, you know, 31 years old, the French fighter. At heavyweight, we say it all the time. I mean, this guy could fight till he's probably like 43, 44, as we've seen with other heavyweights. So we might have a decade of zero gain ahead of us, and that's exciting to think about. But he'll be fighting Alexander Volkov, the Russian fighter, also somewhat in uh, a peak age for heavyweight at age 32. He's coming up two big wins over Walt Harris via TKO and a TKO over Alistair Overeem earned him performance of the night. His losses in the UFC are only to Derek Lewis via KO and Curtis Blades via decision. So he's only lost to the best of the best. Fighting Cyril Gain here, he is the underdog at plus 145. Gain, a relatively solid favorite at minus 175. Who you got? I'm actually going to go with Volkov. Uh, I actually think if you if you look at what's in this this division right now, all the people surreal gain could have fought. I actually think Volkov is probably one of the worst matchups for him. Um, he's a guy who's really super technical. Um, he'll throw a leg kick at you, and then if that worked, and he'll just continue to throw that. Um, and he just happens to be fighting one of the guys who adjusts best to that kind of style, that kind of guy who's going to go back to the well, so to speak, and and keep it super technical. Volkov is super technical in his own right. He's not going in there to fight somebody sloppy like a Derek Lewis or, you know, no offense to Yair Rosenstreich, but that guy just, you know, he kind of likes to throw him big and isn't the most technical guy in the world. And that's kind of what Gain has had successful, has been successful against, right? Like guys who are not hyper-technical, where he is, he's fighting a guy who out-techniqued, you know, Alistair Overeem. He, he out-techniqued um, Walt Harris. And, and now Walt Harris probably not the best guy. But basically, Gain has been going in there beating up sloppy guys. And I think this is going to be an interesting test for him. I'm also going to say this. I think Volkov has got more knockout power than Gain. Um, Gain just doesn't, like, super sit down on any of his strikes or commit to anything. So I'm going to take Volkov here. 
All right. Um, I think what you outlined makes a lot of sense. I lean towards serial gain. I guess you're kind of making me rethink things, but uh, I- I'm still sticking with my game pick. Let's move on. Uh, Andre Touchy-Feely, a minus 225 favorite to Daniel Pineda, a plus 175 dog. Um, Touchy-Feely, who, you know, for me, has always had one of the best nicknames in the UFC, has really been doing his thing now since uh, 2013 is when he debuted in the UFC, which is crazy to think about. Uh, he's coming off a loss to Bryce Mitchell, beat Charles Jordan before that, uh, lost to Sadiq Youssef before that. So he is one and two in his last three. Always trying to get into that upper tier, can never necessarily you know, seem to get there, uh, but a very strong favorite right now to Daniel Pineda. Uh, Pineda, uh, for his part, the Houston, Texas native, Age 35, which, you know, that this ain't heavyweight, so that that's a bit on the older side. He's coming up a loss to Cub Swanson, beat Herbert Burns before that, had a couple of no contests before that in the PFL. So he's 1-1 one one in UFC competition, a massive uh, – well, he's not a massive underdog. He's a plus 175, but Feely at a minus 225 is a very strong uh, favorite. Who you take him? I'm going to take Feely here, mostly because, in my opinion, Pineda is the type of guy who beats people he can take down and control and dominate. And I just don't see Feely as that type of guy. You know, like if you go back and look at Daniel Pineda's, you know, most recent wins, which, granted, he's in his, I think it's his second or third stint in the UFC. You know, he, he had a tough time last time out, and largely was because he couldn't dominate the wrestling game like he thought he could against Cub Swanson, and he gets knocked out. He, he did take down and control the position against Herbert Burns, and that's what got him that win. He did that same thing with Jeremy Kennedy in PFL. And, and I think if he can control the position he wins, I think Feely's got underrated wrestling, and I think he's way better on the feet. So I'm going to go with Feely here, despite the negative 225 price tag. Yeah, no no arguments for me. Hanato Moicano is a minus 250 favorite. Jay Herbert is a plus 200 dog Herbert uh, was 9-1 and one coming out of Cage Warriors, debuted in the UFC in a loss to Francisco Chernaldo, um, and that was due to an overhand left in round three. Uh, so not a great way to debut, but trying to get a win over Hanato Makano, also coming off a loss. He lost to Rafael Fiziev, uh back in December of 2020, beat Demir uh before that via rear naked choke, and lost to the aforementioned Chan Sung Jung, and Jose Aldo before that. So he is one and three in his last four. Did beat Cub Swanson uh, and Calvin Cater back-to-back in 2018. What a great year that was for him. But one and four in his last – or excuse me, one and three in his last four. Trying to get a win. He is the favorite here. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna take Hanato uh, Moicano in this one. I think, you know, the level of opponent he's fought is a, a large reason for that record, like you kind of mentioned. And I also think just, like, I'm a little bit worried about Herbert's chin, as long as we're being honest. Like, Francisco Ternaldo, super strong, right? We know that about him. He is not the type of person who has been knocking people out a lot, though. Like, if you go back and look and you're looking for somebody who he punched in the head and knocked out, like, he got a a kick to the liver, a knee to the liver on Evan Dunham. That was three years ago. He got a cut stoppage over Paul Felder. That was five years ago. The last time he stopped somebody with, like, his hands to their head was a ground-and-pound finish of Chad LaPreece. And if you want to find the last time he, like, knocked somebody out, knocked somebody out, you would have to go all the way back to UFC 147. So, like, Francisco Trinaldo, not a power puncher on the feet, not a guy who can knock a lot of people out. 
and he tagged Jai Herbert. And, and that, for me, just worries me a little bit because Hinato Moicano hits like a truck. He's also more technical. I, I also think, you know, like this being uh, a fight where Jai Herbert last time had the speed advantage and it still wasn't enough, he's not going to have the speed advantage over Hinato Moicano. I think this is a relative blowout here. So, yeah, I'm going Hanato Moicano. Boom. All right, let's move then. And no arguments from me there. I don't think you're saying anything too controversial. But our underdog of the week is OSP. Our boy, the Von Flew master, really the OSP choke master, OSP, at plus 125, taking him over Tanner Boser as an underdog. Let's hear it. So for me, the the problem I just have is Boser in his UFC career has been having trouble with guys who are a lot taller than him, which at heavyweight is just about everybody not named Ilir Latifi. So, you know, while OSP is stepping up from light heavyweight, OSP also just went through a full training camp. OSP now suddenly doesn't have to cut weight. And I think he will probably come in heavier than Boser in addition to having a huge reach advantage and a height advantage. So with that being the said, I think Boser coming in on short notice, fighting a guy who who is taller than him, longer than him, and has KO power, I mean, like, he's going to have to stick and move, and I just don't know that he's going to win that kind of fight against OSP. I also think it, it should be said, OSP, huge grappling advantage here. The guy does have six submissions, including the Von Flu choke. I'm going to go with OSP getting a plus number here. All right, our parlay to play. Shavkat, Rachmanov, minus 250. Demir, Hadzovic, minus 150. Uh, pair these two very hard names to say together, and <laughs> it's going to get you to plus 133 money. Break it down. Yeah, so I love Shavkat Rachmanov. I'm probably uh, one of his bigger fans since he debuted and submitted Brazilian Cowboy. Like, I'm all about him. He's fighting a guy here who he's going to have a 7-inch height advantage. That's right, 7 inches of height advantage. And his takedown defense is just good enough to stall out Misael Prezerish. He's going to outstrike him like crazy on the feet. Wouldn't be surprised if he he, stu- he stunned him or if he finished him. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Shavkat Rachmanov here. And then I like Demir Hadzovic against Yancey Medeiros. Part of the reason why there is just like, and I've been back and forth on this fight, but ultimately I think Medeiros' takedown defense probably not good enough. So, yeah, I, I, I flip-flopped on this one back and forth, but the final answer is going to be Demir Hadzovic here, and I think it would help out this parlay greatly at the negative 150 mark. Boom. We're pretty good at what we do, not to pat ourselves on the back, but if you're looking for gambling advice, look no further than Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We'll be tweeting during the show at Top Turtle MMA. Feel free to let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty this week. And, of course, please head on over to iTunes, write a review for us. It helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle Podcast studio. Gumby, this train is a moving down the tracks. Where should we go next? And we're going to transition now to my interview with Ike Villanueva. Once again, he is talking a little bit about his most recent win, the first win he's ever gotten in the UFC, and fighting alongside of one of his good friends, Daniel Pineda. And we're going to get to that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Ike Villanueva, who fights Marcin Procneo at UFC Vegas 30. So, Ike, before we get started talking about your upcoming fight, I wanted to talk about your last fight. Because obviously, you know, you had a long road to the UFC, fought a ton of UFC veterans, spent 12 years on the regional circuit, finally get to the UFC, have a little bit of a tough start. But last time out, you pick up your very first win, a knockout victory. Give us a little bit of the emotions and what that felt like after such a long road. Man, 13 years of hard work, man. When people say you'll never get there, you'll never make it, 
is just being that guy that's just never quit, never quit attitude, man. Uh, I have a support system at home that really, they really pushed me, man. But that, getting that victory in that big stage in Abu Dhabi, man, was lifelong memory and prices because I could have easily jumped on Maria and pounded him out, but having just that walk off is like, man, that's a memory. I mean, I think it really sent a message to the world that, hey, man, this guy's here. And it was awesome, man. It'll be a lifetime memory for me. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you mentioned Abu Dhabi, too. That was another question I had for you. Is that, like, you know, you fought most of your life in Texas, in the regional scene around the Texas area. And then you get this fight halfway across the world, and that's where you pick up your UFC win. What, what was that like? Man, it was five-star. Amazing treatment. I, never in a million years would I think I'd be fighting in Abu Dhabi ever. Because I was just a guy that just, man, I love fighting. But, no, but as I got lives in my career i turned i said man this shit's not a hobby man i can make something out of this and i that's what it was but when i got there with my team it, it was just so unreal bro because it was just like man this is like this is it like you're here we're all the one big ass hotel there's some stars in the hotel it was just amazing but like man that was really a sign to say man you want to show yourself the world why not do it in abu dhabi and, and i sure did that for sure. And now you mentioned in there a couple of times that you just love fighting. You know, you've, you've got a great support system that's always backed you and, and been able to get, you know, make you feel like you get to that point. But I do have to ask, you know, it was a dozen years before you got to the UFC and it was a tough start in the your beginning of your UFC career. Was there ever a time where, where you felt like like this was not going to happen, like you weren't going to get this big win here? Man, it, it was just me. It's because you, you fight. It's the hurt business. It's part of the game. It's you. It, in the day, it's you. You versus yourself. That's your main focus. And I really, like when I fought Chase Sherman, I, you know, COVID hit. I really wasn't in the best shape. really wasn't working out. But as a fighter in me, I worked hard to get there. But just everything that was dealt to my place, it was like, man, it's just like, is this really going to happen? And I really had to fight those inner, I call those inner demons that's just trying to slow you down. And, man, and then the cut happened. And really was an eye-opener for me is when I was in Vegas, I was coming back from Vegas, my daughter was born, my daughter Gianna. And I'll tell you what, that little daughter changed my life and she opened my eyes and really showed I could push it because ever since she's been here, I've been on the tear. I mean, from the Maria fight, from the – just pretty much everything, dude. It's just been amazing so far. And I just got to keep grinding it out. But like I said, 12 years – if I didn't quit then, I wasn't damn going to quit now. So I, there's still a lot of fight left in me, and I'm getting better. I'm getting wiser. I got a great team around me, so I'm ready to roll. Absolutely. And let, let's talk about that great team around you, too, because I, I noticed, you know, looking through this fight card at UFC Vegas 30, it's not just you fighting from, from Houston on there either. I also see Daniel Pineda, who's a guy who's who's been in your corner, who's been around you. Uh, wh what has it been like getting ready for this fight around him and, like, having fight week around, you know, one of your guys? You can, you can imagine, when I started MMA in 2006, the very first day I walked in the gym, that was the, that was the first friend I met at the gym. And you got to imagine years saying, man, that's like my best friend. That's my brother now. It's like, it's priceless. I mean, you don't get no big, bigger than that. Because we did it in Bellator, we did it in the LFA, but doing it in the UFC, fighting on the same car together, is like, man, it's like, what, what a dream. Who would have thought? Like, you know, we were just two hundred kids, like, back then, 14 years ago, just trying to make a push. And now we're in it together and training together. We have our sparring sessions. With the, we have our own setup across the gym. And we just look at each other, make that eye contact. We're like, let's go, brother. Let's go show the world who we're about. 
And it's just awesome, bro, because we got the whole team looks up to us, and we just got to go make a name for ourselves, man. Everybody at Four Arms Fight Club, man, they know who we are. They look up to the, the big dogs. So we're going to make a statement come Saturday. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Now, let's let's talk about the opponent, because you're fighting Marcin Procneo, who did start 0-3 in the UFC, but he's coming off a big win himself uh, against Khalil Roundtree, who's a heck of an opponent as well. What, what were your first thoughts on when they offered you Marcin Procneo? It was a, it was a go system. I mean, it was it was him or Roundtree, and uh, you know, Roundtree lost. So I said, let's go with Procneo. I thought Roundtree won the fight. I watched that fight about a hundred times already. I thought Roundtree won the fight. He just, he left the gas in the second round when he had him hurt. But man, uh, Pragnia, I mean, great karate. He did great things. One FC came to the UFC. You know, kind of had the same thing I did, but he really don't. He's real chinny. Man, the guy got great kicks. I give him that. Give him that credit. But like I said, I mean, he's got to bring more than the kicks because uh, I know he's gonna look at the Chase Sherman fight. Well, Ike's weak in the legs. Man, come on, bro. I was fighting during COVID times. We weren't doing nothing. So, of course, my legs weren't the greatest shape. <laughs> there wasn't a gym open. There wasn't a gym open. So, man, we've been ready for it. Like I said, when I fought Maria, I did jiu-jitsu nonstop takedown defense. He never shot once. Right now, I've been getting kicked in the head, the body, everything. So, I'm ready for it, man. I got some counters for it, and I'm ready to load on them. But like I said, I respect everybody I fight. But come Saturday, man. Hey, I got a little girl at home, Gianna Villanueva, that's looking up to her daddy, and her daddy got to come home with that, man, because she loves Coco Melon, she needs a new Coco Melon toy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love to hear it. Now, I got to ask, too, you know, he's a guy who's been knocked out twice in the UFC. Is that something that you think about going into this fight, the fact that he has been knocked out before people have touched his chin? Yeah, you got to find it. Like I said, you can't go rush it. It's going to happen. But like I said, I'm a, I'm a dangerous fighter, man. I'm a guy that get in your face, and I will I will I will not retreat. So I'm hoping he's he's ready for that, and he can handle that. All the respect to it, but I I'm coming to put on a show and uh, try to knock his head off, man. Either way, man, if it goes to the ground, it goes to the ground. Wherever way it goes, man, I'm just trying to get the W, man, because I I got the knockout last time. I didn't get the fifty thousand, so it's like it happened. Hey, but I'm here just to win, man. Right, by any means necessary, let's get this W and bring back home, and let's keep this train rolling. Absolutely. Now, I got one more question for you before I let you go. I saw that you got to go to UFC 262 with the live crowd there. You got to feel what that was like. Now, obviously, you don't get that as well, but just give us a little taste of how it felt with a live crowd in there and how badly you'd like to be in front of a live crowd next time you fight. Man, I texted Jason House. I don't know how many times about that already. Being there, we had Gracie, six with Dana White, and UFC that took care of us. And me and Dan, Dan and Fanay were actually right next to each other, sitting down with our wives. And But the energy, that's what it's about, man. The Houston fighters, uh, you know, we, we didn't get to get on there. But every, all the fighters who showed up that night, they, man, put on a great performance. It was amazing. The crowd came out to support it. It was just a beautiful event, man. But uh, that energy, man, I can't wait to feel that. If I can feel that in my hometown, oh, man. But like I said, one fight at a time, I take care of my business, make a name for myself. I'll get my opportunity. Well, we're certainly looking forward to this opportunity and the next ones. Once again, fans, this was Ike Villanueva, who fights Marcin Procneo, UFC Vegas 30 this weekend. Ike, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We certainly couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and Better Than Vegas. And to remind you guys to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA. 
And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby-Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We'll catch you then.